Happy National Ice Cream Month, everyone. This is Greg, and here are the podcast episodes that will be dripping down the side of your hand in the month of July 2022. Don't forget to put a scoop of vanilla next to your slice of cake when Popping Callers celebrates its eighth birthday this month. We're taking a look back at our top 10 most downloaded episodes of the pod while blowing out our candles. I have dug into some smooth musical soft serve on the latest PC Music Diary when I discuss the sultry symphony of Soul Sacrifice by Carlos Santana. Betsy and I continue on our rocky road through the movies of 30 years ago on Going on 30. Next up is an all-time summer favorite, Point Break. Finally, we begin a new journey on The Sacred Six where I chronicle my trip on the Camino de Santiago. I kick things off with a pre-trip conversation with special guest Ryan Parker about what every pilgrim should know before they take their first step and whether I should maybe leave my pint of Ben and Jerry's back home. You're listening to Popping Collars, the podcast Sunday that adds extra sprinkles, extra peanuts, and extra collars popped with a cherry on top. Hi, I'm Greg. And I'm Betsy. And this is Going on 30, a Popping Collar side project where we hang 10. See, that's a surfing reference. Hang oh, 10. Brah. I totally got it. Yeah. Yeah, brah. Brah. <laughs> With movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for Best Picture 30 years ago <laughs> this month, we're looking at Point Break. <laughs> On the coast of Southern California, you can only surf, party, and make love for so long before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. 27 banks in three years. Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook. Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. You think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point break. Adios, amigo! Betsy, this is how I know you're my friend. Because you selected this movie. I did. I, I, when, I, when I tell people that this was the movie we were watching, I'm glad they don't have our intro memorized because I do not think this movie should have been nominated. I mean, maybe it should have been. Prince of Tides really is a little schmaltzy. Maybe. No, it should have been. It should have been. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the Catherine Bigelow of it all. Yes, how, we will. How great a director she is. We okay, do you I have, have a brief- synopsis? I have a brief description oh, please, of this movie. Betsy, would you like to hear? Uh, maybe. Okay. Yes. In Los Angeles, a gang of bank robbers calling themselves the ex-presidents commit their crimes while wearing masks of Reagan, Carter, Nixon, and Johnson. On brand. 
It's very specific. Good job. The FBI believes that the members of the gang could be surfers. Wait, time out. The FBI does not believe this. Gary Busey believes this. <laughs> he does. does not he's just a crackpot. That's right. The FBI believes that the members of the gang could be surfers and send young agent Johnny Utah undercover at the beach to mix with the surfers and gather information. It is one of the best character names. Oh my God. That is a great name. They're either (laughs) an FBI agent in a surfer movie with bank robberies or they're a quarterback in the SEC. All right, Betsy, take us in the Wayback Machine. What is your history? I point break. I think I might have seen this in the theater. I think I might have seen this. Uh, in the theater. Yeah, because I was riding the wave of Keanu Reeves. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. Um, Dirty Dancing was Dirty Dancing before this. It was right, right. So already on the Swayze train, right. Did not probably watch Roadhouse in the theater. That feels like too grown up of a movie. So Swayze is, is like, on his streak at this point, right? So he's got Dirty Dancing, Ghost, and this. Yes. So, so like, boom, I've, boom, I've boom. seen Ghost. I've seen Dirty Dancing, right? So this is just kind of an action movie, right? So this this is this was definitely my speed, uh, for sure. And then I, every time, it is one of those ones you run across on cable children when you used to watch cable mm-hmm. and uh and you would just come across it it's like oh this is on yep. i'll leave this on watch it every time wherever it is in the movie yes boom boom just, Dro- just i could drop in like i'm dropping in on a wave greg yeah that's what i'm saying totally what about you my history with the movie okay so i did not see it when it first came out this was like um and which was which was a little odd because my family were huge ghost fans so Ghost was like a big deal, but Point Break didn't really break through for whatever reason. So I found Point Break, I'm pretty sure in college, but like you said, whenever this movie was on television, it's just one of those movies that you just start watching. If you come across it, you just stop and you're like, oh, okay, they're at the chase scene. I'll just watch it from here, yeah. you know, or something. Well, and I also just have, I just remember having a fondness for it. So when I saw that, I haven't watched it in years. So when I saw that it released this year, I was like, you know what? This is a movie I would like to watch again. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think that's totally. Yeah, absolutely. When you ask why, when you ask later why I nominated this, why it's important for movies like this, like to get nominated because they're great movies, even if they're not like important movies, they're really good movies. All right. Uh, so, Betsy, what are your hot takes, general thoughts on the movie Point Break? Well, I mean, the first time when I watched it again, I had forgotten that Catherine Bigelow directed this movie. Oh, really? Yes. I had forgotten that. Then I got to see the poor James, you know, or that poor Catherine Bigelow, that James Cameron was an executive producer on this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am guessing they were together at the time that the movie so, yeah. came out. I think so, too. But I had... I had forgotten that there was a female sensibility directing this film. Mm-hmm. And that was a different, a little different experience for me this time. You get to kind of see how like the Lori Petty character is treated. And even though there's a lot of, I mean, she even says at one point, there's a lot of testosterone in here, you know, like there's a lot of that in the film, but I enjoyed how she navigated that and worked with the script. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't, you know, Lori was just another one of those surfers, right? She didn't get to mm-hmm. go rob banks, but you know, she was just 
as much a part of the scene. I thought that was interesting. But it was also just interesting, the, the cliche-ness of the script and some yeah. of the interactions, the douchey cops, you know, who were just, you know, just out to like yank, yank your chain, Utah. You just like the worst, like that whole crew was, I was like, oh my Lord, you know, this dialogue could not get more hacky. Like, I don't even know what to do with it. But I really do think that, you know, my hottest take is that this movie is built on Patrick Swayze. It is built on the Swayze energy, his physicality, his, his personality. You could see how charming he is how he would pull together a group of people. Cause there's a lot of things to like about Bodie. We never get into a backstory. We don't really know what's going on with him. How has he ended up where he is kind of rootless and chasing the next adrenaline surge. And, and that that's his, his way of life. The movie doesn't really seem to care to dig into that. He is just this apparition of a person that is now in this moment with this community around him and is, is just ready to interact with the next interesting thing. And I I think as, as much as (laughs) this movie also builds the kind of duhness of, of Keanu, right. A little bit of the cliche of Keanu is in this film, especially after we just watched uh, my own private Idaho. Right. This movie really has, he's just, he's hot. He's just, he's, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> his, his his he's got the eyebrow raise you can just look at the poster the wet hair yeah you know, and and that he's a little bit of a pretty boy which is what he also gets ragged on for in the movie too but yeah i i really i i am attracted to the swayze character just as a as a story moving mechanism of the script yeah yeah i mean i think you're supposed to be i mean he he just absolutely sweeps in and like all eyes on him you know like Keanu's got his eyes on him. Laurie Petty's got his eyes on him. Gary Busey's got his eyes on him. Yeah, everyone's looking to him. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's very much on purpose that yeah. Swayze's character name is Bodhi, you know, the Bodhisattva, the one who's full mm-hmm. of all of the wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and that's why, Greg, I have a special top five. <gasps> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I, I, I surprised you. What in top the world? Five Bodhi words of wisdom. <laughs> from point break are you ready for my list all right do you have an honorable man i in, do not oh no sorry sorry all i right, know that fine. you love breaking the rules of the top five with an honorable right, mention fine fine, fine. all right number, number five number five fear causes hesitation and hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true no Fear leads to anger. Anger no, leads listen, to listen, don't hate. bring Yoda. <laughs> this is a different kind of Yoda. This is a different Yoda. All right. Uh, okay. All right, number four. It's basic dog psychology. If you scare them and get them peeing down their leg, they submit. <laughs> but if you project weakness, that promotes violence, and that's how people get hurt. Wow. Wow, right? Wow. I mean, he's laying down wisdom. Uh, very observant. Number three. Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to think that Little Hands was like a member of the group. Right. That's initially like when I was looking up quotes, I was like, 
Is that Roach? Oh no, sorry. That's a that's not another person in the game. All right, number two. Number two. If you want the ultimate, you've got to be willing to pay the ultimate price. It's not tragic to die doing what you love. Oh wow. Wow, that's a good one. That's right? not number one. I know, right? We you just wait for it. You're okay. Ready? The number one Bodie quote from Point Break. Yo, Johnny, I see you in the next life. <laughs> top five that sounds like a jumping out of the plane moment it is absolutely a jumping out (laughs) of the plane situation which then says to keanu reeves good policing right now is for me to jump out of this plane with no parachute that's with no with no parachute (laughs) okay uh all right betsy i uh my quick hot takes because these these will go very quickly because (laughs) They're not serious at all. Okay. Number ahead. one, I had a smile on my face the whole time this movie was on. So thank yes. you for that. Yes, Number right. two, after staring at Gary Busey, <laughs> I've decided that his teeth are too big for his mouth. And did you want to buy an Amazon Fire Stick at the same time? <laughs> they are not sponsors <laughs> of this podcast. Okay. All right. All right. That's good. Finally, just one last thing, which is that Catherine Bigelow. Holy cow. These The shots in this movie. I man, know. They're gorgeous. Like everything. And you're totally right. Um, when you talk about the uh, point of view from a female director, you know, it got me thinking. You're totally right, though, about all the dudes in this movie. Patrick Swayze was voted People's Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. And this year? This year? Well, actually, yeah, I think the movie, the year this movie came out, yeah. I think he was, yeah, it was the year that he won. But also Keanu Reeves won People's Magazine's Sexiest Man of the Year mm-hmm. in 1994. It got me thinking, I wonder how many times People Magazine's Sexiest Man, Men of the Year have like paired up in movies and stuff. Betsy, I don't know how many times it is, but I got five of them right here on a list. What? Yes. That wow. Five. What's it? What sort of research? Or is there some sad, sad little website out there that has all this information <laughs> on this? No, this was this was pure research on my. Wow. Part. I have the top five sexiest man alive duos in movies. <laughs> that is tremendous. Wow. So, I knew you would like this one. Wow, I am wow blown away. All right. Well then, is there an honorable mention? There is an honorable mention. Yes. There's an honorable mention because unfortunately it is not a movie. It is the television show The Wire, where you will find Idris Elba, winner yes. in 2018, and Michael B. Jordan, winner in 2020. There we go. Starring together in The Wire. Nice. There we go. Nice. Very cool. Okay. All right. Then number five. Number five. This is not a good movie, but it is a pairing of Sexiest Men Alive. Uh It is Red Notice, which is currently on Netflix right now, where you will get Ryan Reynolds, winner in 2010, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, winner in 2016. Wow. Mm. Red Notice. That sounds like something that would pop up on our uh, Flirt Mary kill it does it does probably okay all right number what are we on number four four. number four let me take you back in time to a movie little movie called courage under fire 
where I oh. can give you Denzel Washington, winner in 1996, and Matt Damon, winner in 2007. Wow. Bad, bad Matt Damon in that movie. Bad Matt that's, Damon. That's good. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Then number three. Okay. Number three is a bit of a cheat because there's a bunch of them in this. Oh. But if you go to Avengers Endgame, <laughs> <laughs> you will get... Chris Hemsworth, winner in 2014, and Paul Rudd, winner in 2021. Okay, there we go. Okay, all right, number two. Number two is a classic. Interview with the Vampire, Tom Cruise, winner in 1990, and Brad Pitt, winner in 1995 and 2000. Okay, double winner. All right, last but not least, the number one movie. Number one features two, two or more winners. Yes. Of sexiest man alive honor. Yes. This is where you will find the very entertaining Indiana Jones and the last crusade. Sean Connery winner in 1989 Harrison Ford winner in 1998. All right. There we go. There we go. That's pretty impressive. What a list. What a what list. A list. I am just impressed. rename this podcast top five and we'll just start doing top five. <laughs> what top five could Greg do attached? To- this is probably one of your most creative. Okay. I think. All right. Speaking of creative, what is the best scene from this very creative movie? That's hard. All of them. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The scene where the bank robbery goes wrong. If you take it all the way from the bank to the running to the in and out of the houses to the like that is just that's a so really like great, the whole chase that whole chase is such a great action scene it really is it really is and i am with you that's actually what i have written here and i i just don't want to change it i know don't <laughs> change something it, but... else so i'm with you on the chase but specifically it's uh the dead to rights scene in the la river basin where he mm-hmm. has him but he's able to see patrick swayze's eyes through yep. his mask and so Which keanu reeves Wearing Reagan. Turns and points his gun straight up into the air and just and fires all of his rounds. And just screams out his emotions. <laughs> I found it I found it interesting that, you know, I, I love the choice of the presidents, right? Like we couldn't go with this the current president who has a George Herbert Walker Bush. Mask. Right, yeah. So it would have been George Not a good Bush, mask. Yeah, at the time. So Reagan, Carter. So they left out Ford, right? So it's Reagan, yeah, Carter, Nixon, and because you Johnson. can't leave out Nixon. So yeah, so they left out Ford. 
I, I would say like, those are the ones like that caricature. They look like a yeah character. have the most distinguishing features. Ford yes. doesn't really have any distinguishing features. Yeah. So, um, okay, so if those are the best, if the the chase scene is the best scene from the movie, who gives the best performance? I'm going Swayze, hundred percent. Finally, get your wings. It's totally closed out. Just waiting for my set. You gotta go down. You cross the line, and people trusted you, and they die. Yeah, it went bad, but real bad. Life sure has a sick sense of humor, doesn't it? Still surfing? Every day. Come on, buddy. It's time to go. Now you gotta go back with me. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. <laughs> Yeah, he's really train. good. I knew you would go Swayze. I went Lori Petty, mm. mainly because I forgot she was in this movie. But then also, like, she just brings, like, a weird... I mean, not weird. She brings, like, a quirky energy to everything that she does. What do you want? Shrimp and fries. I mean, what do you want? Why do you keep hanging around here? I need you to teach me. Give me a break. Uh, shrimp and fries to go. Would you like something to drink with that, sir? I'm serious. I can see that you're serious. Forget it. Stick to tennis. I don't know, whatever you do good. Uh, miniature golf. Number's 37. You don't understand. I'm gonna learn to surf or break my neck. What is it? You all of a sudden got this bug that you just have to go surfing? This is a line, right? No. No. See, my whole life I've done things for other people. In high school I played football because my old man expected me to. Mm -hmm. And my parents always figured I'd go to law school. So I did. Football scholarship, Phi Beta Kappa. Is this gonna take a really long time? Wait. So I'm a big hero to my folks, right? Mm -hmm. But two years ago, they were killed in the car wreck. You can't imagine it. Your whole life changes. And I suddenly realized that all my goals had been their goals. And I hadn't been living my own life. So I wanted something for myself. So I come out here from Ohio a month ago. I've never seen the ocean before. Any ocean. I never thought it would affect me so much. I'm drawn to it. Or something. I want to do what you do. Uh, it's the truth. All right. Okay. Tomorrow, here, 6 a.m. If you are one minute late, I'm gone. Instead, I didn't take you on the race, so I'll teach you a few things, and then after that, you're going to be on your own, okay? But, like, it's this really cool mix of... A lot of heart. Her character yeah. that she brings. Mm -hmm. Like I'm I'm trying to think of like because we're gonna see her again next year in League of Their Own. Yeah. And like, you know, Kit in that movie is just, you know, not incredibly likable, but still like you empathize with her. You know, Lori Petty, she just does this really good job of kind of finding 
what is it that makes this character interesting? But then also, what is it that makes this character likable? And yeah, I mean, that's you what you get from like Tank to... Girl and right, or her character on Orange Is New Black. Like, yeah, she really she finds the kind of heart of a character, even if they're hard to get next to. I got some stats about the movie. Stats, 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 stats. Point Break opened on July twelfth, nineteen ninety one. Summer baby. Woo! Yes. We just got done grilling, watching some fireworks. Let's go watch some Point Break. Let's do it. Uh, this day in nine oh two one oh. Da 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 da. Was season two actually? Yeah. Okay, so this day in 90210, we are we have arrived at season two, episode two, entitled The Party Fish, Brandon's friendship with an older member of the Beverly Hills Beach Club puts a strain on his relationship with his father. I do not. Sounds inappropriate. <laughs> what? I'm imagining it being like some guy who likes to play tennis, throwing some extra fivers Brandon's way and. He thinks he is interesting, and but he must turn out to be terrible. And then we you return to Jim Walsh. You don't understand, Dad. Mr. Smith really gets me. <laughs> <laughs> he understands my ambition to be a jur- journalist. What did he want to be? Yeah, he, w- he wanted to be a journalist, right? He was working for the Condor. The Condor. Was it the Condor <laughs> or the Beverly Beat? Uh, that was That was later. <laughs> later <laughs> all right yes hey you know we also haven't brought up yet i don't know whether you're gonna bring it up are is there a top five of when the red hot chili peppers pop up in movies are you holding oh that? my gosh oh. well we talked about flea last time we did we times flea that flea popped movie. up in movies i did not have any for anthony Kiedis. his his um imdb page is a little more spotty got it okay. um okay but this is this is a major this is a major moment for Anthony Kiedis when it comes to acting. The movie grossed $43 million. Okay. uh, Making it the number 29 grossing movie of 1991. Feels low. Feels low. Feels like, um, you know, we all should have supported this movie more back then. Yeah. Come on, everybody. Where were you in 1991? (laughs) Sweaty July. You wanted to be in a movie theater. It was hot. It was hot outside. That's right. It is the number 2,055 top grossing movie of all time between a movie called Midway. Is this like killer clowns coming for you? Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. (laughs) That's what I was guessing. No, think World War II. Think think Midway. Oh, Charlton Heston and Henry Fonda. Exactly. Charlton Heston and Henry Fonda. Uh, So you get Midway with Charlton Mm -hmm. Heston. You get Point Break, and then on the other side of Point Break is Biloxi Blues. Biloxi Blues. Yeah. With uh, With, uh, Ferris. Yeah. Matthew Broderick. Matthew Broderick. Yeah. So, Flirt, Mary Kill, you get two military movies and one surfing movie. So, you get Midway, Point Break, Biloxi Blues, Flirt, Mary Kill. Oh, that is hard. (laughs) That is hard. Well, you know what's also interesting? is the Midway movie was remade in 2019, much like Point Break. Oh, no kidding. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I yeah. forgot about that. Look at that. Like Patrick Wilson. Woody but now Harrelson. we just need to remake Biloxi Blues and we've, we've got it. Mandy we've got Moore. the trifecta. 
I know, right? Okay, so I am going to. There's already a lot of death in this movie. I'm going to kill Midway. Oh. I'm going to flirt with Matthew Broderick over a balloon. Yeah, man. And oh, then I'm married. You know, I'm married. The poster Break. with the little uh, lip print on his Point cheek. Break and I are going to the altar together. There we go. That's the, yeah. that's the only answer, Betsy. I it's, think it's, it's the exactly only. what I'm going with as well. There you go. Um, this movie has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Come on. Come on. What's everybody <laughs> doing? What are we doing? Come on. <laughs> Guys. Uh, 69%. Uh, so if that's the case, what do you think Raj thinks of this movie? Uh, I don't know. I mean, oh, it's such a, I mean, maybe he's going to go for the, the thrills. Mm-hmm. He finds it thrilling. Mm-hmm. The cinematography. I'm trying to think about what he would. It's, it's he would see it as a common man's movie. I think it's probably a common person's movie. Okay. Okay. But Raj also goes with a common man sometimes. So <laughs> sure. What, what, what did he say about this movie? Roger Ebert, voice of the common man. <laughs> <laughs> Betsy, does it does, does it give you hope in humanity if I tell you that Roger Ebert really liked this movie? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Because he did. He did. he did. He says the plot of Point Blank. Wait. <laughs> oh, my God. I wrote Point Blank. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different movie. I Wait. Think. No, I didn't write Point Blank because I, I uh, copied and pasted this. So whoever, whoever wrote this in Rotten Tomatoes wrote Point Blank. Okay, here we go. Okay. The plot of Point Break summarized invites parody. Rookie agent goes undercover as surfer to catch bank robbers. But the result is surprisingly effective. Three and a half out of four stars. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I cannot imagine that any other reviewer we quote on the show might have had something to say. Well, next up is Janet Maslin. Okay. Uh-oh. All right. Okay. This isn't bad. She says, a lot of the snap comes surprisingly from Mr. Reeves, who displays considerable discipline and range. He moves easily between the button-down demeanor that suits a police procedural and the loose-jointed manner of his comic roles. Three and a half out of five stars. Huh. It's a lot of words for Keanu Reeves, Janet. What about Patrick Swayze? Yeah, you know, she gave Keanu Reeves three and a half stars is what it sounds like. So how did this movie do at the Oscars? Well, unfortunately, Betsy, (laughs) this movie did not win an Oscar. And even more unfortunately, maybe it was not nominated for anything. However, it did win. An MTV movie award. <laughs> yes. For what? what Betsy, was the would you like to guess what MTV movie award point break one? It wasn't best kiss. <laughs> um trying to remember what because they make new categories all the time, don't they? Um was it was it like male actor? Okay, yes, yes. Okay. I, I will give it to you. Okay. But what's the category? 
<laughs> it won most desirable male <laughs> for, for Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Keanu, for Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. Listen, it's just ageist, right? Um, you know, um, Patrick Swayze is 12 years older than he is. That's right. And he's still holding it down. Whatever. It had two other MTV Movie Award nominations, oh, including yeah. Most Desirable Male for Patrick Swayze. Oh. Oh, and they didn't split the vote? They did not split the vote. Oh. And Best Action Sequence for the second skydiving scene. Oh. The one where Keanu jumps out without the parachute. Right, okay. like an so idiot. <laughs> Got it. Come on, think about it. This was never about money for us. It was about us against the system. That system that kills the human spirit. We stand for something. To those dead souls inching along the freeways in their metal coffins, we show them that the human spirit is still alive. So you trust me? Okay. Then don't worry about this guy. I know exactly what to do with him. Let's talk about the lasting legacy of this movie. I don't know that there's a whole lot of lasting legacy with this movie. Okay, so here's what I wrote. They remade the damn movie. I know, I get it. Here's what I wrote, and maybe we can talk about this, and maybe we can talk about something else. Like, I, I feel like we, we have carte blanche to just go wherever we want to go. But I wrote, it's an interesting look at the no-collar population, which is to say people who aren't nine-to-fivers, but also, like, people who still have to make money somehow – right in order right. to in order to do what it is that they want to do and so basically you get this this portrait of people who have the privilege of spending their days surfing and thinking that there's some kind of robin hood for what it is that they're doing but what's kind of getting exposed is that really there's no nobility in that like there's no real nobility in sort of shunning responsibility and making life about your personal interests and desires. Mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day, people get killed and there's tragedy as a result of like only caring about what only caring about what you want and like. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, there's also a real kind of purity to this. I mean, this is like pre-X Games, pre like these surfers, like I mean, I mean, but it isn't at the same time like looking to get sponsorships and you know, I mean, Laird Hamilton and the, those other people were like, I guess pro surfers or whatever. And this mm-hmm. is kind of the group that how they're gonna buy into the system or not buy into the system, be outside the system is that they're not they're not looking to actually like be them they're not looking to surf the waves they surf for right. the accolades or you know no one's out there with a video camera you know to to watch you surf that once in a generation storm in New Zealand right mm-hmm. that it isn't about cuz of course it's all pre clicks and likes and things like that yeah but it's just about living life and 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 doing what you love 
Yeah. And so it all kind of gets twisted inside then that we're doing this and committing crime. And they really see as long as they do the crime in the way that, you know, the dog psychology, right. As long as they do the crime in the right way and don't get greedy, Mm -hmm. no one gets hurt. And it feels like a victimless crime. Right. Until it isn't. But it's not really. I mean, like if we saw what the results of their robberies were. Yes. Like we would see the harm that they caused to other people. Right. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to an interview with Tony Hawk on Mark Marin, mm-hmm. and he was talking about the skateboarders that went into competition like him and a few other guys. And then skateboarders who didn't go into competition, who just made videos of themselves skateboarding And the person that he referenced for that was Bam Margera, who he Mm -hmm. said Bam was as good as anybody else. Like Bam could have gone to the Olympics and won like gold medals. And, you know, like he was he was as technically good at skateboarding as anybody else. He just didn't want to view skateboarding as a competition. Mm -hmm. Like he viewed it as like an art form. And so he just didn't go into the competition circuit. And I think there's something like I'm always envious of people who it seems like have no care or responsibility, you know, who are just like, I'm just living life, man. I'm just doing my thing. Right. There's something like really attractive about that to me mm-hmm. until I start thinking about how are you paying for gas, you know, right. and then it starts getting a little dicey. Well, and I do, though, to go back up a, a, a tick, I don't know whether they would see just robbing banks as a victim to crime because everything's insured. It's not like you're going to roll into that bank. They're going to be like, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Knight, your money in particular right. was stolen, right? Like everything will end up being covered in the end. So I think when we think about, and I think you see this now with crime, um, especially in moneyed sorts of ways, you know, it all, it all is going to get come back to you anyway. Mm-hmm. So who really cares? You know, right. so it's just here for the taking. So I think, my guess is that's a little more the kind of thought process and motivation. Okay. I have another question for you that may be related, maybe not related. Okay. So, so far this year, we've watched Barton Fink, mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood, Bugsy, and Point Break. All of these movies set in the same area. Yes. Southern California. Yep. What is Southern California? Because all of these movies are very different from each other. Like, what is it? I don't even know what to even think about this place based on these four representations. And we've got Pulp Fiction and we've got other things coming. I mean, Los Angeles is such a sprawl, right? So many different stories. And if I would think about, and this may be a total overgeneralization, so much New York focus, mm. especially in the seventies and then, and then some in the eighties. Right. Yeah. And maybe what is it about? I think, you know, you actually mentioned it with the growth of MTV and, and, you know, all, you know, kind of like MTV moving into more of a, a lifestyle channel in the 1990s, that there's definitely something being marketed here and whether that's talking about music and culture and, and, and the shift of that outdoor living and, you know, all of that sort of stuff that maybe that's something that I haven't, I haven't seen anything on that, but that's something that became some cachet 
in the mm-hmm. 1990s. Yeah, I because I... then we shift to the West Coast with grunge, and I mean, there's all sorts of things. You know, right. it's called Seattle. It, yeah. Is it this kind of Western expansion conversation, Western experience? I mean, yeah. if you add my own private Idaho into this, right. movie, so that's another Western movie. It's not a Southern California movie, but it is a Western movie, right? So, yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of influence coming from the West at this point in American culture, and mm-hmm. and it all feels very disparate. You know? I think we'll probably think about it again with Thelma Louise. I mean, we could think about it again next year with Juice if we watch, you know, Tupac mm-hmm. in that movie. I mean, there's just a lot of. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot going on, I guess, is yeah. what. Um, and it feels like LA is probably can't contain it all. And I think what we're going to see, you know, coming out of 1991 going into 1992 is the city explodes as a mm-hmm. result of just having all of these things on top of each other. So, yeah. Okay. So, with the serious part out of the way, who is this movie for, Betsy? It's for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, who's it for? I think it's for those kids in the summertime. It's those yeah, kids man. Just wanting to, you know, a little bit of danger with your surf water. You know, let's right. step into an alternative world of people who just get to party and rob a few banks and then go off to the next exciting location. Like, I think, I think it's a dip into a world that feels unexplained. We always yeah. love to throw a police procedural on top of it. And, and I, that's, that's what I think it is. And it's like, let's just go spend time with Patrick Swayze. This is for the Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves fan clubs. Well. Um, this movie is for people who want to have a kick-ass time at the movies. Uh, yeah, it is. Why did Roger <laughs> Ebert say that? Why didn't he say that? There you go, Roger Ebert. I just Roger wrote your Ebert, review. There you go. Congratulations. So, um, so then, with all that being said, what is your rating for this movie out of five? Oh, what is my rating, Greg? I've given this movie a four out of five. Four. Okay. So, would you say better or worse than Barton Fink? I'm putting it above Barton Fink. <laughs> I am a Point Break stand. Okay. Point Break. Is going in your number two spot. Number so two, behind Boys in the Hood. <laughs> behind Boys in the Hood. You have three LA movies. One, two. I three. do. Uh, I am giving Point Break a solid three and a half. Okay. Three and a half out of five. Um, it's hard to have a bad time watching this movie, but every now and then, the premise of the movie slips into your brain. And it just kind of makes you giggle a little bit. You just, just got to keep riding the wave, Greg. Don't think too much about it. If you think too much about it, you're just going to fall off and it's going to be. Nice. Right. Yeah. That's that's kind of the point of this movie is don't think about it. Don't think about it. <laughs> just go with it. OK, Betsy. So we've talked about, you know, in our in our little fantasy world of, you know, nominating this movie as one of the 10 movies for best picture. Why, why would you nominate point break? Nostalgia. I wanted to revisit this movie. I, I, this is my favorite Patrick Swayze movie. Okay. And I, it was, it's so sad that he's now been gone since 2009 I know. as an actor. And yeah. Yeah, we didn't we didn't get to do Ghost in the last one, and I actually find Ghost much more cringy than this movie. <laughs> so, 
this was, I just love spending time with yeah. his talent. Yeah. It's just amazing. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, what did Emily say about this movie when you told her we were watching? She's been too busy traveling with all of her friends' places. I, I oh have my gosh. not had a chance to talk with her. She's, That's ridiculous. She's very busy. All right. Fine. Well, then fine. she can check in on our next movie. Oh, when we talk about, oh my gosh, we we make like a 180 degree turn from Point Break. <laughs> and we come up on The Prince of Tides, Barbara Streisand and Nick Nolte. And Nick Nolte. I'm having a really hard time getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen The Prince of Tides, Betsy? I feel like I have never seen The Prince of Tides. I, don't I have definitely never seen The Prince of Tides. So we're going to go into this uh, open-minded. I don't know whether I've read parts of the book. Like when I bring this up with people who are maybe a little bit older than me, like say um, friend of the pod, Steve Castle mm-hmm. from our um, Friday Night Lights episode, one of our high rated episodes of the show. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, the book and no, no, no. And I'm just like, oh, oh God. This is Pat Conroy, right? <laughs> Settle down, Steve. This is this is Pat Conroy. <laughs> is this a Pat Conroy book? Is it? I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know it was a book. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't didn't know, know it was a book. I thought it was just from the mind of Barbara Streisand. So you're you're opening up. Is new this when I talk all about something and it's not actually that? Like when <laughs> I, I thought know. the Bugsy was Dick Tracy? Is this going to be that one I want? <laughs> yeah, Pat Conroy right. novel, Prince of Tides. Yeah, there we go. So the Prince of Tides is on our horizon, but we can never really leave Point Break. It's going to stay with us, I feel like, in our hearts for the rest of the year. Thanks for talking Point Break with me. What president mask do you want for our next bank robbery? Like a Rutherford B. Hayes. Okay. All right. Um, unfortunately, I don't have that. Could you settle for a Grover Cleveland? Can I just give you... Would that Fine. be okay? Fine. Okay. I know, because you've taken Taft again. Got it. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.